Well, the uh, scripture for this morning comes from uh, 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 15 through 22, and that's on page 342 in the Pew Bible. David went down and his servants with him, and as they fought against the Philistines, David became weary. Then Ish, Ishbi Benob, who was among the descendants of the giant, the weight of whose spear was 300 shekels of bronze in weight, was girded with a new sword, and he intended to kill David. But uh, but Abishai, uh, the son of Zeruiah, helped him and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall not go out again with us to battle, so that you do not extinguish the Lamb of Israel. Now it came about after this, there was again with the Philistines at Gob. Then the struck down Seth. There was war with the Philistines again at Gob. Elhin, the son of Jareorakim, the Bethlehemite, killed Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. There was war at Gath again, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number, and he also had been born to the giant. When he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimeon, David's brother, struck him down. These were born to Shimeon. And they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. As we, as we uh, to think of, of various forms of, of entertainment, uh, it's it's interesting of uh, the uh, the 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 commonness of of war movies. Uh, the, now the settings may be different. But, uh, but war movies and novels based on such things uh, are, are often very popular and have remained so over the years. And I've always thought that it's really not so much about the wars themselves, but it's because whether these be true life of, of movies or, or books or, or those that are fictionalized, there's always a, a common theme of people of fighting together of, of uh, banding together to, to oppose uh, an enemy. And there's almost always courageous acts and a, and a courageous leader who, who, uh, who defies the enemy and uh, leads his people into victory. Uh, again, those can be fictionalized, but uh, oftentimes when you read uh, true life histories of such things, uh, that turns out to be the case as well. And I thought about that in connection with, with our passage this morning. We will be looking at uh, these four men, these Israelites, who kill giants, literal giants, huge men who were part of the army 
So it's, it's a helpful reminder uh, as we read this history of the way the Lord preserved his people long ago. But there's also, as scripture would use these themes, uh, a reminder of the spiritual warfare that we face and dealing with opposition of all kind, dealing with the uh, devil and his plots against us and uh, the unbelieving world in their opposition to us. And so there are not just history lessons to be learned here, but spiritual lessons as well that can benefit us as we walk uh, in this life in the Lord. And so let's uh, see that as we work our way through. We begin with uh, point number one, uh, bringing help to a weary David in verses 15 through 17. Now last week, uh, we looked at the first 14 verses of this chapter. And there we saw an account of events that, that occurred sometime earlier in David's kingship. We were told about how the Lord brought three years of famine uh, to Israel. Uh, David then asked the Lord why this was happening, and was told that it was due to Saul's sins years earlier when he ordered the killing of the Gibeonites, uh, even though they were long-standing there were long-standing covenant promises to these Gentile people that they were allowed to safely live in Israel. The Lord wanted justice to be done in hearts to the Gibeonites. And so David went to them and asked the Gibeonites how he might atone for Saul's attempted genocide of them against the covenant promises upon them. And they asked for seven of Saul's descendants to be executed as representatives of Saul's family, of those of his bloodline. So David chose seven of Saul's descendants, and they were hung to death, bearing the curse for Saul's sin. And the Lord accepted this substitution and lifted the drought and the famine that he had brought. Now in today's verses, we are told of four men of Israel who fight and defeat Four different Philistine warriors who are called giants because they were exceptionally large and intimidating men and soldiers. Yet the Lord gives victory to them. Through it all, we'll see a picture of how the Lord equips us for spiritual battles that we face. And how David's greater son, our Lord Jesus Christ, leads us and eternally protects us against our spiritual enemies. And we see this as we as we begin. When we look at this portion of the chapter, uh, let's recall what we noted last time, that chapters 21 through 24 at the end of 2 Samuel really function as, a, as an appendix, a collection of, of writings and, and accounts of past events that shed additional light on David's rule and his character. Our verses 15 through 22 will tell of, of victories then that the Lord gave over four Philistine giants. The scriptures tell us that among the people groups of, in, in these ancient times, there were some who were very, very tall. Uh, and this should not be a surprise to us. Even now we, we can think of, of various, uh, not only families, but ethnic groups that are sometimes taller uh, than others and sometimes shorter than others. For example, we read in Genesis 6 and 4 about the physically large pagan people called the Nephilim. Genesis 6 and 4, the Nephilim 
were on the earth in those days and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. Now many generations later, Israel spent, sent spies into the promised land uh, to scout it out before the invasion. And the spies saw these giant people, and they were intimidated by them. We read in Numbers 13, they say, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong. There also we saw the Nephilim. The sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Joshua 11 and 22 tells us that descendants of the Nephilim came to live in the Philistine city of Gath. And the Philistines certainly had a military advantage with those exceptionally large men in their army, including uh, the, the intimidation and fear they produced in their opponents. Imagine if you had an army of people my size, which would not be a, a great advantage, and an army of people the size of Shaquille O'Neal facing off against one another. That would be very intimidating. And that's, uh, that's pretty much what we're, what the picture that is painted here. And as Marlon noted earlier, that is why they were afraid to go into the land of promise. Well, even these years later, descendants of the Nephilim are still alive, and, and they are part of the, the Philistines. As we recall from, from 1 Samuel 17, David courageously faced a giant named Goliath the Gittite, and the Lord gave him victory. battles with giants sometime earlier in David's reign. And we're told that this encounter took place when the Philistines were at war with Israel. David went down and his servants went with him. And so they battled the Philistines. And actually they were they were off and on always battling the Philistines. So this doesn't this doesn't help us to narrow it down historically as to when it happened. Yet we're told in the rest of the verse that as the battle went on, David became weary. Now David is a skilled... His weariness means that this occurred later in life. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe not. Uh, even young people eventually get tired, uh, and especially so when we're talking hand-to-hand -hand combat. That uh, is no doubt physically exhausting, no matter one's age. At the Philistine giant here is uh, Ishbabinah. He sees David, sees that he's tired, and he decides to take advantage of that and attack him. As we've noted before in First and Second Samuel, in many ways the Philistines can be seen as the opposition that we face the spiritual forces of the devil and his servants as they oppose us in our Lord, as well as his use of, of temptations that he puts before us in opposition 
from unbelievers around us as, as they are under his influence. We're reminded in 1 Peter 5 and 8, be of, be so, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. The devil, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The scriptures often describe our spiritual lives in, in terms of warfare and battles. For one example, Ephesians chapter 6. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of this So this is a spiritual struggle in living the Christian life. And the devil has difficulties in our path. And so we need strength and, and spiritual armor and weapons that only the Lord can provide as we, we look to Him and His Word. As we, as we seek Jesus by prayer and depend upon Him as, as we live this life. And we seek the, the help of the Holy Spirit to, to uphold us and strengthen us as He indwells us. That we are very much to be aware of the spiritual battle that we face. And have an attitude of dependence upon the Lord. And, and taking full of advantage of all of the means of grace. And the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that He gives us. And even, even David, uh, the great warrior. Gets weary. And there's a helpful reminder there that we can get weary too. We can get weary from various and they can exhaust us spiritually as time goes by. And at such times, we must be aware that the devil may step up attached to try and take advantage of our weakness. And that only makes sense uh, when you are showing signs of weakness. If you're in a battle with someone, they're going to attack even more strongly because they see that you're on the ropes. David is tired, and he's facing a huge soldier. We're told that his spear uh, is huge as well, the end of it, that it weighs what would be the equivalent of about seven pounds, and that he has a new sword, and that he intends to kill David. Yet notice how the Lord helps David. We're told that, that David's nephew, uh, Abishai, sees that David is in trouble. And so he helps him and comes before him and alongside him and kills the Philistine giant. Now there's a helpful reminder here of how we need one another in this life as we face the difficulties that the devil puts our way and the temptations. And so we are to be looking out for each other and to be willing to accept spiritual help and encouragement from one another when we face all kinds of struggles and temptations and difficulties. Thankfully, we're not saved to be a one-man, or lone, lone rangers, or, or one-man armies. We're saved into an army. And we have brothers and sisters who, who fight with us. The Lord saves us into His church. We are to be in when we need help, 
to help others when they are in need. We're reminded in Galatians 6 and 2 to bear one another's burdens. And that is one way that we can be great helps to one another as we fight the battles of this life. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11 says, Encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are also doing. And Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. We are to, to make full, take full advantage of the wonderful blessings of going through life's battles together. Our passage also reminds us that not to be intimidated by the giants that we face. Now it's a huge temptation or a huge struggle. And we can feel very small and powerless. But we're reminded in Scripture that we do not face these things on our own strength, neither or, or alone, or at least we ought not to. Now we're promised God the Holy Spirit's strength in us. Romans 8.13 says, By the Spirit you're reporting to death the deeds of the body. And 1 John 4 and 4 reminds us, The greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And those just aren't, aren't uh, bumper sticker phrases or passages that, that have no real meaning. They, they have great meaning as we, we seek to apply them to our lives and live in the light of those truths in very practical the Lord in prayer uh, to come to His Word to come strength when we become weary and overwhelmed by what comes our way. We're told in Isaiah chapter 40, the Lord gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous and stumble back, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. And we are to turn to the Lord in worship and in prayer and in the Word of God, and He will supply spiritual strength to us by His Spirit. And so what a blessing it is to have these promises of, of God in His Word as we face these various Philistines in our lives and the various giants that we do face. Be that the devil's snares or, or the, the culture's temptations or opposition from men or our own sinful tendencies or the discouragements that are brought our way in this life. And we have the tools by God's grace uh, to overcome these things uh, for His glory. Notice as well in verse 17 how David's men then say to him, You shall not go out again with us to battle, so that you do not extinguish the lamp of Israel. Uh, they recognize how important it is as their king, and they seek to protect him and not have him go out to battle with them. Uh, they are concerned that if he dies, this would extinguish the lamp of Israel. Again, David's men fear that, that should David be killed, Israel's lamp will go out and the nation will fall. They honor David's kingship in this, 
And yet, in a certain sense, they overstate his importance. He is king, but he is not irreplaceable. Only his future greater son can truly be spoken of as the light of Israel. And it is in Jesus that we have a lamp that will never go out. We're told by Jesus in John 8 and 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of light. Jesus is the eternal God the Son who became also fully man to be that Messiah, the Savior of all who trust in Him, the King over His people and over all peoples and nations. And He came and, and did what we failed to do. He perfectly obeyed all of God's laws. And on the cross, He took the wrath of God due to us for our sins upon Himself. God the Father raised Him from the dead, a, a living Savior and an accepted sacrifice. And all those who trust in Him are covered in His righteousness, are forgiven by His sacrifice, are reconciled to God, and given eternal life and fellowship with Him. And all of that comes by God's grace and gift alone. We're told in Romans 3, By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in His sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now God has made known a righteousness from God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, who God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. Oh, it is Jesus who is our King and our Savior, the one who saves those who cannot save themselves. And as we trust in Him and are reconciled to the triune God, we are made part of the kingdom of God, part of His army. And Jesus Christ is our King and our leader, and He leads us then through life as we are protected and empowered in the spiritual battles that we face. Ephesians 1 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. And so He empowers us to live this life, to face those battles. And those might be a physical oppositions as people oppose us in the gospel or, or put temptations our way. But as we read earlier, those are ultimately spiritual battles. And the Lord empowers us uh, to, uh, to live through them and grow through them and to have victory in them. We're reminded in the scriptures that we are eternally safe and we have a secure place in something and someone much greater than ourselves. And what a joyful thing it is to belong to Him and have a place in His kingdom. And by His grace, the grace of Jesus, the light of the world, we are actually made lights in the world. A smaller light, lesser light, but certainly lights in the world that are empowered by Him and enabled to shine for Him in our lives 
in a dark world. Jesus says in Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is the ultimate lamp in Israel, the light of salvation, our Savior and our King and our God. And He leads us through the darkness and enables us to shine as lights in the world for His glory. Well, second and finally, three Israelites who kill giants in verses 18 through 22. And here we are told of, of three other Israelite warriors who, who fought against the Philistines, and each one killed uh, their giants as they faced off against them. Verse 18 tells us that there was another war with the Philistines, and uh, Sibachai, uh, the Hushathite, uh, struck down a giant named Saph. Verse 19 tells us of another war with the Philistines, and this time, Elhanan, the son of uh, Jeriorgim, uh, kills Goliath the Gittite, whose spear is as big as a weaver's cream. Now, if that strikes you as odd mention of Goliath here, it's because it should. Uh, this mention of Goliath uh, is, is, uh, is a, a manuscript error that has been brought down to us, since we know that David killed Goliath back in 17. Uh, chapter 17 of, of 1 Samuel. Uh, the, uh, the discrepancy is cleared up in 1 Chronicles 20, verse 5, where we're told that uh, Elhanan killed Goliath's brother, not Goliath himself. So we read there, Elhanan killed Lami, the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Then in verses 20 and 21, we're told of another war with the Philistines, this time at Gath. And the fourth giant opposes Israel. And this man is memorable not only because he is huge, but because he has six fingers on each hand and, and six toes on each foot. And you know, that, that would be memorable. Verse 21 adds that he defied Israel. And when he did so, David's nephew Jonathan struck him down. Now this word translated defied in verse 21 means to reproach, defy, mock, or deride. It is the same word used in, in 1 Samuel 17 to describe Goliath's blasphemous insults and mocking and, and, um, and taunting of Israel. And all that led to his death. And here, this, this giant with six fingers also loses his life for the very same reason. Commentator Dale Ralph Davis writes, The point is the same. Those who trash talk Yahweh and his people will be silenced. His demise is another installment of what is to come. Another assurance of what will be. His lifeless tongue testifies to God's people. Here is how it will be at the last. All your enemies will be silenced. 
As we're reminded in Isaiah 54 and 17, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of my servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. As we ask for the Lord's protection from, from those who attack the church with insults and blasphemies and, and temptations, we know that, that we will be spiritually protected. And we know that ultimately it is God's truth and God Himself who will prevail over all those who oppose. And the church will stand. And our eternal lives are safe. And those who attack the Lord and His people will, if they refuse to repent and believe, they will be judged for their wickedness. 2 Thessalonians 1 says, is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well as when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And so we pray for protection from our spiritual enemies and, and those who, who serve uh, the devil un, unknowingly. But we pray as well that, that those who, who count us as enemies would come to embrace Jesus by faith as he has offered in the gospel and would become our friends and, and come out from under the wrath of God that they deserve by God's grace just as that has been done for us. Our verse 22 then closes the chapter by telling us that all four giants mentioned were descendants of, of the giant in Gath and, and fell by the hand of David in the hands of his servants. Now we are reminded of what David did years earlier, as well as what these men, David's servants, serving the king, had now done. The Lord promised way back in 2 Samuel 3 and 18, By the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And, and the Lord here is fulfilling that promise. As you will recall, David was very young when he faced Goliath. But he trusted not in his own strength, but in the Lord. 1 Samuel 17, where we read, David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. That all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. And so we have a wonderful reminder there that when we face spiritual struggles, we are, when we are opposed for our faith, 
we face various giants in our lives, that it is the Lord who is with us, the Lord who gives victory. With that said, victory may not always look like what we think it might look like. We may be called upon to suffer for the sake of Jesus. But even in our suffering, He gives us victory in our relationship with Him, in our spiritual growth, in our turning from sin and being loyal to Him. In Romans 8, Paul writes, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril? Or sword? But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. Reminded as well that we do not fight with physical weapons this kind of spiritual battle. In His Word, and in prayer, and in worship, and knowing that He is the one that enables us to stand against all His and our enemies. We're told in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations in every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so let us let us look to Jesus and trust in Him and His power, remaining close to Him, dependent upon Him as we, as we fight the battles of this life, knowing that He has won the victory for us. We close with the reminder of what Jesus assures us in John 16. He says, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And he reminds us as well in Matthew 18, as risen Messiah and King, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And so let us go to the one who leads us, the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, and who has all power as God and as the reigning Messiah at the Father's right hand, and come to Him for spiritual strength and protection, that we might fight the giants that we face in His strength and together for His glory. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank You and praise You for this portion of Your Word and, and ask that You might apply it to our hearts. We're, we're thankful as we read this account that so many years ago uh, you strengthened these, these, uh, these men of Israel to, to trust in you in battle and to, uh, to, to slay the giants that uh, they faced in battle. And so we are mindful of various uh, giants that we face in our lives in various different ways opposition or temptation or, or discouragement or obstacles. And so uh, we know that the devil uh, puts the difficulties in our path uh, to, to sway us in our, in our following of you. 
And so we pray that we would be dependent upon you, coming to you for strength and, and blessing and encouragement. We pray for the work of God, the Holy Spirit in us, that, that he would be a great encouragement and comfort in, in us and bearing fruit in us, strengthening us in our consciences and uh, in, our, in our ability to turn from sin and turn toward righteousness. We pray that you would be blessing us with encouragement and strength as we follow Jesus Christ, our King, our Head, our God, our, our Commander, as we live this life. And we thank you that we, we are saved into your people and that we can be helps to one another and receive help from one another. And so may we be at doing that, that we fight unified as an army under Christ our King. And we ask all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.